0: morning, glad to welcome you to our Sunday school class, let's open in a word of prayer. Lord God, as we come together today for our Sunday school class, we do so asking that you would be clarifying our understanding of the gospel and uh, placing in our hearts a, a deep desire to share that as a... Uh, seeds sown in good time, praying that you would grant harvest. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's the time of our class where I begin with a uh, just an observation from 10 Modern Evangelism Myths, a biblical corrective by Ryan Denton. We've been going through this just chapter by chapter, addressing some of the uh, the myths about evangelism that are especially seem seems to be applied to those of convictions of Reformed theology, and this one is especially comes uh, comes about Reformed uh, the, uh, theology is that uh, Reformed Christians don't evangelize. I wonder if you've heard that one, and if so. What is the context of that, or what is the charge of of that? I'm gonna, as you can tell, it's gonna be a myth, and I'm gonna answer that myth, but it's out there. So, what have you heard, and uh, how has that been described? That's right. That's a good summary. Yeah, so they say, you believe in the doctrine of predestination, that God is the one who saves sinners, and so that uh, demotivates you from sharing the gospel, because God is doing everything. What's what's there for us to do? How might you... Uh, oh, yeah, go ahead, Dan. Uh, much. Much. There is, a, a, and I'm glad that you bring that up, uh, that uh, empirical evidence does suggest that there are other, uh, other faiths, other denominations that seem to be a lot more zealous about evangelism than, than Reformed Christians uh, often are. Uh, so uh, there is something of the critique that sticks, and one that I'm hoping to Encourage us to uh, uh, to break that mold, if that uh, if that is a mold of our of our congregation. I want to want us to be uh, very active in the in the work of evangelism. Uh, and I say that because Reformed theology does not uh, turn us away from evangelism. It's suggested that it does because of the idea that uh, yes god does indeed uh, grant salvation he is the one who sovereignly changes people's hearts and minds uh, but it is a false conclusion to say that that means that it doesn't that uh, that we have no responsibility or no role to play in evangelism the answer lies really in the fact that God ordains not only the end, the salvation of sinners, but he also ordains the means to that end. How are we going to get to that end? Well, somebody has to share the gospel. So Romans 9 is, the, is maybe the most important passage that I would turn to, where it says that, uh, that uh, how is it that people will be saved unless they hear the gospel and in summary, he traces, Paul traces a couple of, of different things. But clincher is that uh, uh, is that uh, uh, the the gospel share must be must be sent, and so God is using means to accomplish those ends, and the the ends being the uh, sharing of the gospel. I said Romans nine. I think that's uh, chapter ten. Um, so Romans chapter ten, uh, uh, along with the Great Commission Matthew twenty eight, eighteen, uh, being sent out by Jesus Christ Himself to share the gospel. Uh, so uh, then, on the side of empirical evidence, I would say that that there is a view of Calvinism called hyper Calvinism that uh, that does tend to uh, to narrow down the sharing of the gospel. Even, uh, there are even some in the reform camp that say there is no free offer of the gospel. Uh, it's been a controversy throughout Christian uh, church history, and it's an unfortunate one because uh, uh, we would contend against that, that, that God does indeed send us out with a free offer of the gospel, inviting anyone who believes in Jesus Christ to, uh, to be saved. We do that because we don't have any magic glasses to know who those elect are. Uh, we go out and we, we share the gospel, and uh, we share it boldly with that call of Jesus Christ himself and of the, uh, of the New Testament, believe in Jesus Christ and you will be saved, and he will in no wise turn away those who come to him in faith. Um, add to that that some of the greatest missionary movements of the world have and of history have been motivated from reformed christians uh, so if you go back in time to the days of john calvin himself who uh, who is often cited as the beginning of all of these troubles uh, john calvin was very uh, active he had a, a robust theology and practice of missions would have brought it over but over in the library if you want to read a little bit about that there's a uh, there's a book titled uh, uh, "Calvin's Theology and Practice of Missions" by a uh, by a Bruce Parnell, the, um, my master's thesis. If you'd like to read that, you can read about uh, just a very active work of Calvin and of the churches descending from him, including the Puritans. Um, read uh, uh, Murray's book, "The Puritan Hope," about the uh, 19th century uh, gospel mission movement that really did carry the, the gospel to the ends of the earth. Well, so uh, uh, a myth that, as some of the others, has a little bit of an, a thread of truth that we want to, uh, to answer. We want to take it to heart that God has given us a responsibility. And as we bear the seeds of the gospel to, uh, to those around us, we pray that, uh, that God would grant the harvest. Uh, questions or observations about about this? Today I, I have a number of different gospel tracts that I want to put in your hands that you might be encouraged to use, and I want to just take some time to, uh, to walk through them, to explain just the thrust of them, and to give you a, a, an opportunity to to think about how they are entering into the gospel conversation, how, the, uh, how it might be used in, in a conversation with someone. And uh, as we've been doing in the, in the weeks past, we've been talking about entry points and with the goal to uh, leading someone into scripture itself and to have, in a sense, an encounter with Jesus Christ. Uh, through that, through the gospel, and, and a tract can be a tool towards that end. So uh, we have uh, uh, Daniel. Could you come and help me things out? Go one by one, so you're distracted. Start with this one. Yeah, just one piece. going to acknowledge Pastor Kyle Borg as the one who has put this together, and with his permission, and we've uh, printed it out as a gospel tract. A couple of things you might notice about this, uh, just as you receive it, is that I think Kyle has had in mind using something that is, uh, that is a visually attractive. And using uh, using font and colors and images that would be uh, put them right down there uh, would be um, a little more modern, we would say, than uh, just reprinting uh, "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God." Just a plain text file sermon by Jonathan Edwards. Uh, So there's some thinking that he has gone into this. And as you look at this, you can notice that there are, uh, are, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different points around this circle, uh, the circle going around the the cross of Jesus Christ. And so, right at the top, what is the gospel? In Christ, God was reconciling the world to us. As as I walk through this, you can identify those fundamentals of the gospel that we have been talking about, the things that are are necessary about uh, uh, what is being presented of the truth here and how it leads us to encounter Jesus Christ. So start up at at 1 o'clock, so to speak, on the clock and uh, under the heading Adam and Eve. And in each one of these, you see the, the the graphic there and and a small heading and then a verse from scripture that is descriptive of that and as, uh, I'm going to start there just because in a sense there's a logical beginning of the beginning of the world but I'll also invite you at the end to think of uh, of ways in which you might start your conversation. At different points around this circle, depending on the conversation that you're having with somebody, I'm going to explain them uh, briefly and then invite you to interact with that. So, Adam and Eve, God created Adam and Eve. There's the found uh, the foundational truth that God is, and that He is the one who has made the world, and He made uh, mankind. And uh, there is a, a creation. Narrative that is is an opening opportunity to talk to someone about how God made Adam and Eve and how He made them good, uh, without sin, uh, and that there was certain uh, expectation, there was certain requirement. Here is that requirement of obedience from a holy God, and if you were to be sitting. At a table with someone and and, uh, talking to them through this, you could have an opportunity to to explain that further and to develop that point. You keep going around the circle, deceived by Satan. See the serpent there, tempted by Satan. Adam and Eve um, ate from the tree and in so doing broke the law of God and they became sinners, for sin is lawlessness. And uh, This is a summary, or it's the, you see the quotation marks of First John 3, 4, but the uh, summary of this point is that sin did indeed enter the world, and that, that sin was a breaking of what the point before had said, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So deceived by Satan, sin enters the world, leading to the wages of sin, the next point on the circle. Uh, summarized by uh, Romans 5.12, that through Adam's sin, death spread to all. And then the, uh, the, the natural implication of that is that uh, we are not only sinners, but we also commit sins ourselves, Romans 6.23. And we have the first promise, starting there in the Garden of Eden, that, uh, that there is uh, there's a promise of a redeemer that would come. God said there would be enmity between uh, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, and that's the first promise of Jesus Christ right at the very beginning, which leads to the coming of Christ in the New Testament, the promised Christ, which you see uh, down at the very bottom of the circle there. Um, You'll hear uh, a a use of that today in, in my sermon because I'm going to be introducing the book of 2 Samuel to you by preaching from the New Testament and how David in the Old Testament was anticipating and looking forward to the coming of the promised Messiah. So Jesus comes as promised in the Old Testament. That gives you an opportunity to explain the overarching story of all of the Bible, that the Old is anticipating coming of the promised Jesus. The New Testament tells then of his perfect life and death, moving along around the circle. So he obeys for us as God had required. Remember, there's that deceit, or there was that requirement of God, the deceit of Satan. Jesus comes and fulfills what was expected and uh, then lays down his life for us as our, our representative so what he has done both by his living and by his dying is to provide a way of escape for the wages of sin, which are death. What is our response to be? Next point around the circle is faith and repentance. It is by faith in that promise, Jesus, that by, by faith in the one who laid down his life for us, that, uh, that our sins are forgiven and we are counted to be righteous in God's eyes. We receive, then, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit grants newness of life, not only in uh, in our regeneration, but then in our obedience. And part of our response to God uh, following repentance and faith is that we live a new life, And we bear fruit that is in keeping with that newness of life. And the fruit of the Spirit is referenced there. Final point of the circle is uh, is a tree, which could be the starting point of the circle too, couldn't it? Because at the very beginning, there's the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. At the very beginning, mankind walked and talked with God in perfect fellowship with him. That is broken because of sin. We're cast out of the Garden of Eden, and we're condemned to hell, but we're brought by Jesus Christ back into relationship with him. And at the end of the Bible is the tree of life again. And uh, we are brought by faith to the knowledge of, uh, of Jesus Christ. We're brought back into fellowship with him, with him now and forever in heaven through that uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. So a, um, a fun, visually appealing opportunity to talk about these different points of the gospel and to see how they might, you might interact with someone with these different points. Uh, it's possible that, uh, that you may enter into a conversation with someone who has never heard the gospel, And you could use this as a a simple summary of uh, what the uh, message of the entire Bible is. And in one sitting and on one page, you could have an opportunity to walk through uh, these different points and give them a basic grasp of the entire thrust of what the Bible is saying and to present the gospel to them. But it's also possible that you might be sitting with someone who... Uh, is was raised in a Christian home, and so knows some of these things, and but is is struggling over different aspects of this. So, by way of interaction, let me invite you to uh, to pick a point here and relate either from your own experience or what you might imagine would be a, a way to enter into a gospel conversation with someone based on one of these points around the circle.
1: Vicky. ah very good mm-hmm.
0: Good good. Uh, That's a use of of the different metaphors for sin that we've we've talked about before, that that, uh, the Middle Eastern mindset is an honor-based system, and the Muslim faith especially is a works-based system. I remember having a conversation with a Muslim, and he literally did this with his hands, uh, the balance that is uh, your good works versus your bad works. And he said, "My hope is that I will do more more good works than my bad works." And you can see that uh, worked out in their lives and in their culture that they can go and do uh, horrendous things, but then pay it back, so to speak, uh, by doing something something good. So there, you have a burden there to. Change the metaphor, possibly, and talk to them about shame and talk to them about the, the way in which their sins uh, not only have a, a wage for them, but there's, a, uh, there's a, the debt of shame that might weigh even more on their heart and on their mind. Good. Anyone else want to take a point? Yeah, good, Dan.
1: Mm Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I, was, I would offer the fruit of the Spirit as well. The uh, uh, fruit of the Spirit uh, are not just about our vertical relationship with God, it's about our horizontal relationship with one another. So, part of the fruit of the changed life that happens is that there is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. You could back that up to the fruit of of unrighteousness, the fruit of the flesh
1: as well. Yeah, Vicki. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. yeah Yeah
0: uh, Read a very interesting article by, uh, by Tim Keller on, on this subject to somewhat to not just on, on love or but that idea of redefining terms or by trying to answer, the, the felt need with a certain solution, in this case by redefining love. And, and what he challenges and encourages the church to do is to enter into that dialogue and uh, to enter in in a way that says, um, uh, I see you have an idol to an unknown God, so to speak, like Paul does in Acts 17, I see you have an idol uh, but I want to explain something to you. Uh, you Enter into a, a dialogue and say, "I see that you uh, that, that you see a people group that is is dispossessed or or is, is unloved, and here's your answer." But but I see what you're trying to do, but it falls short of what the gospel offers. So there's a dialogue that enters in and exposes. Uh, how their answer is is not enough, and how the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, will give give right answer to uh, to those that are uh, are, are marginalized or uh, are suffering because of that. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that, that's a great illustration of it. If you're going to love that way, you're still going to be thirsty. You're still going to feel empty. Uh, the, the, the truth of love is found here in Jesus Christ. There's a perfect love.
1: Good. Uh, Henry and then Meg. <laughs>
0: uh whole can of worms that's opened up by uh nineteen eighty four uh orwell's warning about uh fascist uh, governments uh, that we can take to heart uh Meg yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sam Chan, in the book that I've been describing or, or teaching from some, says that that the mindset of, uh, of, of the West uh, of, of Europe and then the United States, of a couple centuries ago understood really well that that we're sinners. didn't take much to to demonstrate that. Uh, People knew it. Uh, It is uh, much less acknowledged uh, today, and uh, we do need to uh, seemingly demonstrate that point and, and bring that point home.
1: Yeah, Mark. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Uh, someone who who is very aware of his guilt, is very aware of his sin might be desperate to hear that there is a savior, someone who who pays the penalty that we deserve. And as you listen, you can you you can say, well, uh, I don't need necessarily to, to demonstrate from Adam and Eve. I can start here with with the wages of sin, which he knows and and jump quickly maybe to the the answer in Jesus Christ. Yeah, Dave.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. hmm Yeah. hmm Yeah.
0: That's uh, really well said. It goes back to the myth that was, was debunked earlier that Reformed people don't, don't evangelize. We, of all people, should evangelize because we understand that it's not by our clever arguments, it's not by our clever words that we're going to find, we're not going to save anybody. Jesus is the one who saves. And that ought to encourage us, empower us, to go and to, uh, to share the gospel. And this exercise today, I hope you don't take from it. Boy, there's sure a lot of objections, and I, I feel, uh, I, I, I'm feel uh, threatened by all of these. I, how can I know exactly what to say in all these different circumstances? What I'm hoping to do is to say there are lots of ways that you can enter into a, co- a conversation about Jesus. Do it. Uh, enter into that conversation. And resting in Jesus Christ to to bring salvation. So well
1: said. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sow the seed liberally. Sow it liberally. Uh, What happens to it is is God's doing, and part of God's doing is that there's fruit. There's fruit to everlasting life. Don't be distracted by all of the other things that happen to the other seed. The point of that uh, parable is that there's gospel fruit, and uh, let that motivate you to, to sow the seed liberally. I spent a lot longer on that one than I thought. I've got uh, about six others here that I'll, I'll go a little quicker through. Rachel, would you help me this time? So the the next track I want to share with you is from Evangelism Explosion. It has two different uh, question marks on the front. and I ask you actually to help me as well. I didn't have time to put uh, labels on the back of this so that if you give it to someone, they have a way to know where our congregation is and a way to contact, contact us. So uh, take this and put it on the back. Evangelism explosion in this presentation of the gospel will begin with, with two questions. Those are the two question marks that you see on the front. On the front page, the first question is, do you know for sure that you are going to be with God in heaven? And second is, if God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? don't know, then this booklet has the best news you could ever hear. And it goes on then, you can flip through, and you'll see that it walks through all of these fundamental aspects of the gospel that you can see on the uh, the tract that I, I sent, or, or that we looked at first. Uh, and the track will explain all of these things, and I'm not going to go through each of these uh, heaven, man's being sinful, God um, just but merciful, Jesus who he is and what he did, faith, and so on. Uh, so you can uh, uh, can go through that. There are uh, a couple of ways that I've appreciated this gospel presentation through the years, and that is that... There's something of a diagnosis that happens in the midst of these questions, and uh, part of the diagnosis is a, uh, a false assurance of, uh, of their belief that they will go to heaven, which resides a lot, in a, especially uh, in a, a society that is resting a lot on... A previous Christian uh, Christian background that someone who has been raised in in a Western culture would say, "Well, of course I'm a Christian. I'm no pagan. Uh, that's because everybody is is a Christian in in, in the West." Now that's quickly being uh, being washed away these days, and yet there is still, I would say, a a false assurance about what happens after life and an assurance that they would go to heaven. And the second question gets at the basis for their their belief. And we have used this type of conversation uh, quite a bit and going door to door uh, here in Stillwater, and we've had a variety of answers that have come from that. Most of the answers that, uh, that spring from that false assurance are, are resting on the idea that, that I'm good enough. I've done a, enough good works uh, to, uh, to earn God's favor and, and to get into heaven. And uh, that's an opportunity. That's a gospel opportunity because there's a, a false assurance about that. Part of that may be because of immaturity, or uh, really a, a lack of underst- understanding of what it means for them to have trusted in Christ. Uh, uh, and yet there are some, I think, that are, are genuinely thinking, well, I'm, uh, I'll go to heaven because I'm, I'm good enough. And so this is a, an opportunity to talk a little more about that idea of, of being good enough in God's eyes. Okay, I want to get some other things into your hands. Uh, Stephen, can you help me?
1: One of those.
0: Okay, I'm going to give credit here to Jonathan Haney, pastor uh, up in Iowa. Uh, This is a simple business card. One of them says love. One of them says hope, and one of them says truth. And on the back there is a brief paragraph. And what I would uh, what I would say about these is that it's a conversation starter, a conversation starter about um, three different words that have. Uh, carry a lot of baggage or carry a lot of weight in, in our culture today we've already talked about well what is love and uh, even asked that on the uh, on the back here of this very briefly highlights the idea that well uh, the word love can be used in a lot of different ways and this gives you an opportunity to, uh, to enter into a conversation about what love is. And it has, as a, a kind of a clincher at the bottom of, of each of these, is, is a biblical off, offer of, of the truth of what love is. So the Bible says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a sacrifice for our sins. Come join us and experience God's true love in his son, Jesus Christ. So that's a, uh, it's an entry point to, uh, to have a conversation about what love is and an invitation to either come to church or to enter into uh, a, a deeper conversation about, uh, about what love is. And it also has contact information this time as has the website. So if they want to find the address, the physical address of where we are, you can, uh, can uh, um, point them to the website uh, that has our, our address. Uh, so the same thing can be done with hope. And I'll just read the, the paragraph here again at, at the bottom after entering into this idea about hope, uh, the hope which does not disappoint. Is the living hope found in Jesus Christ, the hope described in the Bible as an anchor for the soul, sure and steadfast? Is your soul missing its anchor? Are you in need of hope? We invite you to join us in hearing God's message of hope from his word. And then finally, truth. Uh, Pilate asked, what is truth? What about you? Are you seeking truth or seeking to avoid it? Invite you to join us in hearing the truth of Jesus Christ from His Word. So, this is something that you can easily carry with you, and as as you have opportunity, uh, it's something that you can can put in somebody's hand to say, uh, "Hey, I'd like to invite you to church." Uh, we were we were just talking about uh, how there are so many different definitions of love. We, I'd like to invite you to come to church and to hear about that. I'd like to invite you to uh, to sit down with me to look at what the Bible says about that. Uh, it's a it's a conversation starter, and uh, something that is easy to carry and uh, something that uh, that you can easily uh, give to someone. Two more who'd like to volunteer to pass these out. Nick, could you be my volunteer? Slow you down. Different things, and what what I hope is that they don't go home and sit on your desk or get tucked into a drawer. Instead, I hope that you run out of them and that you come back to church next week and take a few more so that you can pass out a few more. And uh, and that I have to print more. They're going to be back on this table, and I hope that they will disappear. That you will make use of them, uh, because I'll be very glad to know that, and very glad then to uh, to pass these out. Uh, these need stickers on the back too, unfortunately. But um, just very quick. Uh, explanation and, and observations about, about each of these. Uh, this is all text-oriented, but it's an attractive little tract. What is the gospel? And uh, kind of a companion, what, who is Jesus? And I would envision these uh, being used uh, maybe with internationals, someone who would be unacquainted with who Jesus is and as we enter into a holiday season and christmas is around the corner this would be a perfect opportunity for you to say you know christmas is about the uh, is a reminder that jesus christ was born and i wonder if you know who jesus is what the christian faith says about jesus and i'd like to share that with you would you would, would you take this and read it and uh, put a sticker on the back of this one as well invite them to to come over to your house and over tea to talk a little bit more about who Jesus is. If you like help with that, I'd love to come and sit with you and to uh, to explain that to uh, to your friends. I invite them to come to church and to, to hear about that. Uh, the gospel tract uh, very similar uh, very similar in that. Uh, the last thing that I'll put into your hands is. Uh, a list of 20 evangelism verses, verses that are foundational to the, uh, the sharing of the gospel. These are not the only verses that can be used, but uh, I found that it is helpful to have, uh, have verses much like our first track is, uh, is calling attention to. Uh, to have some of those verses memorized. Uh, you can sit down with a Bible and, and open to these things, uh, surely, but, uh, but there are, are some times where it's good to just uh, have a chance to, uh, to, to quote those. And there's a certain order to these things that follow those, uh, those foundational aspects uh, of, of the gospel that starts with our, with our sin and the wages of our sin, and our Savior Jesus Christ, and our response uh, of faith. Um, I have been using the New King James to memorize things for, for many years. That's been our pew Bible here, and so uh, these are printed out in the New King James. Uh, you can memorize them in anything uh, anything that you like. I find there's a There's a corporate memory that is helpful, and that's why I've tried to stick to one version in uh, in the memory verses that we give to the children at Vacation Bible School and that are are printed here. Um, But each one of you can take uh, a copy of this as well, and if you would like to commit those to memory, I encourage you to do so. I will uh, close by asking about... uh, Questions or observations about about the tracks that I have given to you. One last thing that came to my mind that I'd meant to said say earlier. Uh, all of these can be used in the context of a conversation, which are uh, which is what I I like the most. Think of them as conversation starters and opportunity to, to sit and converse about these things a little bit more. Uh, it is also still valuable to say, "Hey, I, uh, I don't have time to talk to this right uh, talk to you about this right now, but uh, would you take this and read it? Uh, just uh, put it in in people's hands and uh, carry uh, a couple with you." So that you can do that on a regular basis. Some of you know Rich Kirby, a Christian man here in Stillwater, and I remember being at a car wash for our basketball, our homeschool basketball team. And, uh, he and I were there helping with that, and he had just the uh, the kindest uh, uh, way to uh, to talk to the people as we were. As we were standing and the boys were washing the cars, we were talking with the guys uh, or the people that were waiting for their car to be done, and, and he just very naturally uh, turned the conversation to, to uh, things about, uh, about, about church, about Jesus, and in his pocket, he had a tract. And he, in, in just that brief time, he was able to, uh, to say, we'd love to have you come to church. Here's a tract that tells you about Jesus and and tells you about our church. Uh, Very simple, very kind. um, Something that uh, that I hope that you would use these tracts at least as that, uh, if not uh, uh, getting into more conversations with people. Let's close today in prayer. Father, there are many reasons why we, we... uh, we tend to either be afraid or uh, or to overthink this. And God, I pray that you would um, wipe away those fears, knowing that that you are the God of salvation, that you are the one who is reconciling the world to yourself through Jesus Christ. I pray that you would uh, wipe away any misconceptions that we have to know it all, have all the right answers, or to have a clever tagline uh, to fit every situation. Instead, O oh God, I pray that we would use these tools boldly and freely and scatter that seed of the gospel around us. And may you, O oh Lord, grant a plentiful harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you're dismissed.